This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. He's breaking it down, so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with uh, with a renaissance man. There's no other way to, to look at him. He is uh, one of the funniest people on the planet. He is a, a, a wonderful comedian, uh, author. And a motivational speaker, motivational author, also a doctor. Uh, was a cosmetic uh, dentist for, uh, you know, for, for many years. But uh, he he does so many things, and he does so many things well. Jeffrey Gorian is our uh, very special guest. I'm absolutely thrilled to have him. Jeffrey, how are you? I am great, Frank, and thank you so much for having me on this morning. I was so excited. I even got dressed up to be on the radio. <laughs> And we're on the phone, right? I mean, people, uh, people don't see us here, but I, I'll tell you what, you're, you're absolutely terrific, and uh, you've got a you know, tremendous following for good reason. Let's do a little bit of your history, if you don't mind, and let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? Where were you raised? I was born in the Bronx, where I was raised until my family moved to Yonkers, but mostly I'm a Bronx boy. And uh, where, where does comedy come in? And again, I know you, you ended up going, you know, going a traditional route that, well, I don't know if it's a traditional route, but it's a, a route that the parents would love um, with, uh, with dentistry. I mean, who, who doesn't want to have their son the den- dentist? Much more so than my son the comedian, right? But uh, where does comedy come in? Who's the first comedian you saw growing up that stood out to you? You know, my dad used to take me, he had a great sense of humor, and when I was a little kid, he used to take me to movies to see the Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy and, uh, you know, any of the uh, comedians of that day, but my grandfather owned a nightclub in the Bronx. It was a very, it was a real hot spot. It was called the Red Mill. As a matter of fact, years later when I met Milton Berle, and I'm dating myself when I say that, but he was my sponsor in the Friars Club, which was a great honor to me. They all knew all the, com- all, all the comedians of that age knew of my grandfather's place. So I was exposed to show business at a very early age. And when I was 12 years old, I already decided what I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be a doctor, but my sensitivity was too great. And I knew I couldn't handle life and death situations. And I was going to an orthodontist at the time. I was wearing braces. And I said, you know what? I want to make people look beautiful. And so I wound up becoming a cosmetic dentist. And I was already writing comedy at 12 years old. My whole life was always that split. It was very... It's a hard thing to do, Frank. I'll tell you, it's a lot easier if you have only one thing. But I always joke and say, I came from the only Jewish family where my parents encouraged me to be in show business. They're like, no son of ours will be a doctor. Don't shame us that way, you know? <laughs> you know and, I, and I'd lock myself in my room writing jokes and my father would knock on the door. Are you studying in there? He goes, I want you to be in show business, you know? And it was a a crazy time. But um, when I was in dental school, I managed to meet Woody Allen, who had been my idol. 
and he read all my earliest material. I didn't even have it in scripts. Uh, I had like little scraps of paper, and he was kind enough to invite me backstage to his show, and he sat with me for an hour and read all my stuff, and he encouraged me to make films out of it. Um, years later, I got friendly with Jack Rollins, the famous manager, who managed uh, Woody Allen and Robin Williams and Billy Crystal, which is how I met Billy in those days. And he wanted Billy to play me in a sitcom about a dentist in show business. And uh, <laughs> so it, it's a crazy story. But somehow I managed to combine those two careers for many years. Let me uh, just remind folks that are just tuning in or maybe turning on their radios on a little late. Frank McKay here with Jeffrey Durian. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, just it's it's rare to find a it's not rare to find maybe a funny dentist but it's it's rare to find somebody who who does all of these things professionally and who have done all of these things professionally there's a lot of cut-ups out of doctors and things like that that but, but they don't actually get up on stage frank mckay here with jeffrey jeffrey um speaking of that the first time on stage your first uh performance and and how long did it take to to get your confidence once you got up there it took me many years until I actually performed. I started out writing. The first big star I, I wound up writing for was Rodney Dangerfield, who used to do my jokes on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, which was one of the most exciting things ever. And I got to work with Joan Rivers and Richard Belzer and Gilbert Gottfried and uh, up to the stars of today. Nick Kroll and John Mulaney had me open their Broadway show for them, The Oh Hello Show. Uh, I'm the I'm the very first person to be pranked on Comedy Central with a sketch they do called Too Much Tuna, where they prank people with a huge tuna sandwich. It's about 12 inches high. <laughs> they chose me to be the very first person to be pranked. And then they had me open the Broadway show. And I know, you know, Curtis Lewa, the guardian angel, right? Well, Curtis won't mind. He always talks about it. He was my patient. I was his dentist. And uh, during the Oh Hello show, they talk about Curtis Lewa. They didn't know that we were friends. And they made me a jacket that's an exact replica of the Guardian Angels jacket, except mine says Gurian Angels. <laughs> and, and, and so as a surprise, I brought Curtis to their Broadway show, and he wore his Guardian Angels jacket, which he always wears, and I wore my Gurian Angels jacket and we all took pictures together and Fred Armisen was there from SNL you know yeah. and it was always his dream to meet Curtis Lewa so I brought them all together it was a very exciting time yeah I, I mean listen just uh, just what a uh, what a wealth of knowledge here you have a, a, I'm sure a million people have said why don't you write a book and you say write a book I've got eight books I have got whatever uh, give us uh, a little something on your motivational books. So many people talk about them, and so many people are getting uh, what you know. What, I guess what you designed to, to get uh, out of it, and you know that's uh, people to feel better about themselves, people to feel happy. Uh, give us a little background on your on your books, and uh, and you know when did you decide to do that? Well. You know, it's interesting. I never thought I'd even have one book, Frank, and I wound up with eight. My first five books are on comedy. One of them is with Chris Rock. I wrote a book on the history of the famous comedy club, The Comic Strip, where Eddie Murphy discovered Chris Rock back in 1985. And uh, after I wrote those five books, I, I, 
my goal has always been to put out positive energy to the universe. And I spent the last 20 years on the board of a very interesting group called the Association for Spirituality and Psychotherapy. And I was the only non-classically trained psychotherapist on the board, but I presented my work to them that uh, many people who are treated for stress-related illness suffer with what they think are migraine headaches that really come from clenching and grinding their teeth from stress. Now, we've all been living with stress for the last few years, and a lot of people are grinding and clenching their teeth without even knowing about it, and it causes a lot of physical body pain. So I presented my work to them, and they accepted it, teaching psychotherapists to look for physical symptoms of stress, neck pain, head pain, uh, back pain, shoulder pain, a lot of things that you wouldn't realize come from your jaw. And I started, I decided that I wanted to write books on happiness. And as a child, I stuttered very badly. I, I, I personalized this, and I'll explain to you how I got to this point. I stuttered so badly I couldn't even say my name. I could never say Gurian. Most stutterers have a very hard time saying their name. And I stuttered through my 20s and beyond. And I realized that one day that I didn't stutter when I was alone. I only stuttered when I was trying to talk to somebody else, which told me that you can't have a disability based on your location. A man with a true disability, like a man with a limp, limps in every room of his house. He can't go into a room alone, close the door, and walk perfectly. But if I could speak better when I'm alone, then theoretically it means there's nothing wrong with me. And as you can see, I no longer stutter. I was given the grace to figure out how not to stutter anymore. And I realized that I was holding thoughts that were not valid for me. And I realized that every one of us, every single one of us, is holding thoughts from our past that are not valid for us. I do a talk called Don't Believe Your Thoughts, which is a very strange thing because people tend to believe their thoughts. But interestingly enough, your thoughts are not based on your experience. They're based on your interpretation of your experience. So it's the reason why you can have siblings grow up in the same household that are completely different people. You think they had different parents. And if you ask them about their childhood, they'd have two different stories. And so from the time we're children, Every time someone hurts your feelings or breaks a promise to you or breaks up with you in a relationship or lies to you or hurts you in any way, it stays lodged inside of us for our whole lives in, in our heart chakra, and I call them heart wounds. And so my first happiness book, which became a bestseller on Amazon, is called Healing Your Heart by Changing Your Mind, a spiritual and humorous approach to achieving happiness. And I always explain spirituality has nothing to do with religion for people who don't understand that. Religion can be wonderful for people, but it tends to divide us because it puts you into a category and other people are automatically outside that category if they're not in the same religion. Spirituality brings the whole world together because all it asks is that you believe in a force greater than yourself that's running your life. And you could call it nature, the universe, God, whatever is comfortable for you as long as you know that it isn't you. Because when you think that you're running your own life, you tend to blame yourself when things don't go the way you would like them to go. And the, the spiritual concept is that if you don't get what you thought you wanted, it's not because you're being punished. It's not because you're the ultimate victim of the universe. It's because you're supposed to have something better than that. And if you got what you thought you wanted, you wouldn't be available for the really good thing that's coming to you. And I love thoughts like that. I call them spiritual wisdom. So I wrote this book 
called Healing Your Heart, which is not about heart disease, although I recently got an email from a doctor in Georgia who thanked me, who told me that this book helped her to recover from heart surgery, from serious heart surgery, because it's a very uplifting book. And she was connected to a women's health network, and she asked if I would give a lecture to her health network, which I did. And I get these kind of... uh, I get these kind of messages from people all the time, like incredible messages of people who told me that this book has changed their life, that it's actually taken them in a different direction. Because, like, I had a heart attack, and it came out of nowhere. About six years ago, I was out with the people from Sirius XM the night before. I was was partying, and the next day, I had never been sick in my life. I had a heart attack. And the natural thing to say is, why me? Why this happened to me? But the spiritual answer is, why not me? Whoever promised me that my life is supposed to be perfect and nothing's supposed to happen to me? And so I was, I was actually joking with the surgeon on the operating table. They found I had, a, I had what they call a widow-maker heart attack, which is a very serious heart attack. It's the main artery to the left side of your heart. And while they were unplugging me, I was still kind of awake. And I said to the surgeon, I feel you in my heart, not in a romantic way, but I feel you in my heart. And the whole surgical team started to laugh. And the guy said, you know, I'll give you more anesthetic. And he came, he came to my room later that day and he gave me a hug. He said, I want you to know you're a miracle. And I said, no, you're the guy who's the miracle. You, you figured out how to save me. And it's because I was able to stay positive that that helps me to get through very difficult times in my life. And that's one of the messages in the book, is that you can't change your past. The only thing you could change is your perspective of your past. It's how you look at the things that have happened to you in your life and how you process them. And thought is very, very powerful, Frank. So I'm a very big believer in learning to change your thinking from negative to positive. And I give examples throughout the book on how to do that. It's, a, it's an interesting process even for me. But as you can see, you know, I no longer stutter. I'm very grateful that I was able to figure that out. And that now, as I said, I work with stutterers. And if there's anybody listening who stutters, I have a, a website, if you don't mind me saying. Um, it's called StopStutteringNowGurian.com, G-U-R-I-A-N, StopStutteringNowGurian.com. And there are examples on there. There are testimonials from people that I worked with who no longer stutter. And it's a, I'm, I'm very grateful to you for allowing me to talk about that because stuttering institutes are not putting out that information that people can get better, that people can be cured of stuttering. They're teaching people to accept they're stuttering. And acceptance is good. I don't know if you know the serenity prayer, but it says, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to, cha- to, to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, which is the most important part of that whole thing. If I wasn't given the grace to have the wisdom to know the difference, I would still be stuttering today. But stutterers can be helped, and it's important that they know that. Uh, Jeffrey, uh, thrilled to have you. We need a part two, part three with you. Thank you very much for being here, Jeffrey Gurian. Frank, it's an honor to be on with you. I really appreciate you, and I hope that people will be able to check out the book, Healing Your Heart and Changing Your Mind. Jeffrey Gurian, everyone. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. He's Breaking It Down. 
so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with the one and only Jen Lommers. And we're talking uh, to extras, correspondent, and who better to talk to right after the Emmys than Jen. She's absolutely terrific. Also, uh, the 29th season, the 29th season, think of that, of Extra coming up upon us. Uh, How are you, Jen? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Yeah, season 29 is, we're, we're ready to go. Yeah, well, listen, it's uh, it's always must-watch TV when you're there, especially after a big event like the Emmys. And uh, I, I guess, l- listen, it, we're, we're back into the groove, right? I mean, we had virtual stuff before this, and now all of a sudden we have live, live things. And not without controversy, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, is he the talk of the uh, uh, the the Emmys? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, give everybody the rundown. People who don't know what happened, uh, kind of give a rundown of what happened with Jimmy. Okay, and I wondered if people were going to be talking about this this morning, and they are. So you know, when Quinta Brunson got up to accept her Emmy for comedic writing, she won for Abbott Elementary, well deserved, by the way. And I'll get into that in a yeah. second. But you know, right before that, Will Arnett, as kind of a shtick, you know, he dragged. Jimmy Kimmel on stage, like a lifeless Jimmy Kimmel on stage to present the category. Will was joking that Jimmy, you know, had lost uh, in his category like 12 years in a row and had too many skinny margaritas, so he was passed out. It would have been funny had Jimmy not remained on stage while Quinta was accepting her Emmy. That was not cool. That was almost like a um, like a Kanye West, Taylor Swift kind of moment where... You know, you make it all about yourself. Like, like, don't do that. Um, so a lot of people were upset, especially because, you know, Abbott Elementary is the little engine that could. And, and, and this, you know, among these behemoth streaming shows, you have a network sitcom that's nominated and has won in two categories. So, you know, instead of being this, like, moment of appreciation and celebration for Quinta, especially because she's a star and uh, the co-creator, uh, he he kind of like ruined that moment a little bit, and I think that's why people are upset this morning. Yeah, you know the one thing people should remember is that that Jimmy was an early champion of Quinta, right? I mean, he he really uh, oh yeah uh, pushed her, pushed the pilot, and everything else. So maybe there's a little forgiveness uh, room for what Jimmy did, but definitely uh, it, poor poor choice of of timing on that. And, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, it just, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Everyone's asking you about that, right? That's the moment? Yeah. Uh, He took a risk. He took a risk, and it just didn't. uh, You know what I think happened is they didn't didn't think about the rest. They they thought about just, like, the dragging him out and how that would be funny, but then they didn't think about, like, the afterward. You know, what are you going to do when the person gets up on stage to accept their their award and give their speech? Like, are you just going to stay there? I just think it wasn't very well thought out. But, hey, it is what it is, and it made for a talkable moment. We're talking about it right now, right? Yeah. Well, also. That, that's like, just yeah. it. Yeah. And, again, this is like another uh, – yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. That's that, that's just it. It, uh, it, uh, it. We're talking about it, and uh, I don't know that it hurt Quinta so much. It was disrespectful. It looked worse for – it's definitely worse for Jimmy than it is for Quinta because everybody Absolutely. is talking about it. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. So, And I don't know if you also saw this, but 
to me, one of the, the most impactful moments of the night was from Cheryl Lee Ralph. Uh, she was like that big wow moment of the night for me. She won Best Supporting Actress again for Abbott Elementary. Um, and when she belted out the song Endangered Species on stage before her acceptance speech, I mean, first of all, the pipes. Second, I mean, everybody in that place had goosebumps. Uh, she just, you know, started talking about how she, you know, she was a little girl and she would never imagine this and, and how inspiring, you know, this show is and how inspired she is by the show. Um, and what this means for, for black women and for, for school teachers. Um, it was just amazing to hear her talk. She was, she was a powerful voice up there. Um, the other, the other big winner of the night to me was the white Lotus. Have you seen that show? No, not at all. But I, I heard, heard good things. About oh, it. <clears throat> yeah, super good. So it was, it won in every category that it was nominated in. Uh, season two is on the way with Jennifer Coolidge, and she had a funny moment too on stage. Yeah. <laughs> I love her because you never know what you're going to get. Uh, so she accepted her first ever Emmy for supporting actress in White Lotus, and, and a lot like her character in the show, she did a lot of oversharing. <laughs> she was on stage. <laughs> she, she took a lavender bath before the show, and it made her swell up. Uh, and, and she she couldn't inside of her dress, and she couldn't talk right. <laughs> She's just a funny, she's a really funny woman. I love her. Yeah, uh, amazing talent there. Uh, listen, before you go, uh, congrats on the new season. Congrats on all your work. And I know you got a lot of people waiting to talk to you. Um, real quick, give us any socials or, or website that you want to give us. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and, sure. Oh, so go I, ahead. Yeah, so I can be found at Jen Lommers, Jen with two N's, and then at Extra TV. We got all the content. We actually have a full gallery of all the different uh, interviews that we did on the carpet and backstage. And we're also at Jen Lommers on Twitter and at Extra TV on Twitter as well. Jen Lommers, you're the best. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you so much. Season 29 of Extra is upon us. Frank McKay here. Uh, signing off uh, for a real quick one here. Um, Jen Lamas has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. The Emmys uh, are in the rearview mirror. And uh, good job by her. I didn't even get to ask her about the uh, the host, uh, Kenan Thompson, and how, uh, how he did. But uh, by all accounts, he did very well. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, from Sun River Health Foundation and, and so many other things. Uh, a woman who's, who's getting accolades and awards everywhere you turn. And for good reason. She's, uh, she's just uh, making uh, health care 
uh, affordable for for so many people, and that's their goal at Sun River Health Foundation. Uh, Joy Pack and her husband, Dr. Pack, are uh, are just doing tremendous work. Uh, we thank her for that, and we welcome her this uh, this day to breaking it down. Joy Pack, how are you? Very good, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, if you uh, if you can, uh, let's start with a little bit of your history, and if you don't mind, uh, let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Absolutely. Um, I came from Ireland, born in County Leitrim, which is uh, a small county um, in the northwest region. I trained as a nurse in Dublin at St. Vincent's, Elm Park. St. Vincent's is uh, the same organization as we had here in York City at St. Vincent's in Greenwich Village. I uh, furthered my career as an operating room nurse in Ireland and came onward to America because I understood at the time that the streets of New York were paved with gold. So I came into America in the uh, early 90s and I maintained a career with uh, healthcare in operating room in Westchester and um, onward to Queens in the latter part and where I co-owned a general surgery practice with my husband, Dr. Sang Pak. We both worked at NYP Queens. I was the nurse educator for the surgical services and my husband, Dr. Pak, was general and trauma surgeon for the service. We then came out east um, about eight years ago and my husband joined Southampton Hospital, now Stony Brook Southampton as a general trauma surgeon and I joined later on Sun River Health. You mentioned uh, you mentioned the uh, uh, kind of tongue in cheek the uh, uh, the the gold paved roads of uh, of, of New York and uh, you know that's uh, that's what they talk about. But I, let me ask you, how much different was it here than it was uh, where you came from in Ireland? Well, to be honest with you, it really wasn't that much different because um, I just embarked on my working career where healthcare uh, universally, you know, you had the same ethos and you worked to the best of your ability in, in the healthcare setting. And basically, I, of course, enjoyed uh, learning about my new culture in New York. Um, it was similar to what I came from. I lived in Upper Westchester at the time and it was... Um, Rural, it was nice, enjoyable, and my career, you know, progressed and thrived. And I've been very grateful to um, everything that I've achieved in the USA, and um, much thankful for that indeed. Uh, one of the things that we've we've heard, and I, you know, I shouldn't speak for everyone, but I've heard over the years about Ireland, and I'm from, from an Irish heritage and um, and and background, and my family can be traced back to to Cork and uh, some to Kerry, uh, and. Uh, and all of that, but I've always heard that in in especially the uh, the rural areas of Ireland, um, where uh, you know I, I guess there's a tremendous amount of uh, and again I I, I don't want to further a stereotype, especially against our own heritage, but a tremendous amount of uh, drinking um, and uh, and depression. Uh, now are these stereotypes that? Uh, that shouldn't be there, or uh, are there? Is there some truth to some of the rural areas having 
Um, tremendous. Uh, by the way, we have tremendous depression here, of course, and tremendous alcoholism. But what what about the stereotypes of Ireland uh, from a, a mental health um, standpoint? Well, I actually believe it is a stereotype. Um, having lived, um, you know, until I was in my early twenties in Ireland, um, I really. I should say perhaps might have been insulated from it if it was there, but I certainly didn't um, see it in my own community in County Leitrim. However, the lifestyle is different. You know, you uh, didn't have all of the um, things that you might have now in, you know, this era in New York City or New York State or anywhere universally, to be honest with you. But with regard to the stereotype, it's definitely a stereotype. I believe that all people, you know, regardless of where they come from, they can, you know, fall into any any specific category. But with regard to the drinking and the poverty, of course, poverty, we know that way back, you know, at the famine, you know, people had to come out from, you know, great stressors and onward. We had all of that um, uh, emigration to here in the in the in the early 1900s, and uh, definitely times were bad. If anyone has read any of the um, books, for example, Frank McCourt, that will really tell you about early life in Ireland and in the su- southern regions and County uh, Limerick, where he came from, where that really depicts where life was really difficult. Large families. Um, poor means, uh, a lot of illness because of lack of availability of health care because people didn't have the ways and means of getting around. But, you know, we moved onward from that. And um, if anybody visits Ireland now, they will definitely say that the Celtic Tiger roared and Ireland is so progressive. It's a wonderful place to to go back to people who have been here for 20 and 30 years, who've gone back, have really believed that they don't even know the place. Yeah. I mean, you know, we do have a lot of this. Oh, not, not to not to cut you off, but I want to remind folks uh, that we've got a couple of moments left with uh, Joy Pack, and she's from Sun River Health Foundation, and um, and and again the work that they've done here is just a tremendous. Uh, major gift officer, uh, and, and along with her husband, um, uh, Doctor Pack, uh, just uh, saying Pack, uh, just an amazing job. Uh, uh, Joy, I I want to bring you back, and we'll we'll talk uh, much more about uh, differences between. Between Ireland and uh, and here, but before we let you go, uh, let's get a, a little more into uh, Sun River Health uh, Foundation and and uh, let's talk about it here and and how much it's needed, um, what you're doing, the work that you're doing, and uh, again, you're getting accolades all over the place. Give us a, a, a quick two minute rundown on what you guys are doing. Yes, Sun River. As we know out here, you know, we are a healthcare facility where our mission is to increase access to primary health care and preventative health care to improve the health status of all our communities, regardless of their income, and especially to take care of the underserved and the vulnerable. We in Sun River are an organization that's 46 Uh, federally qualified health centres within the three regions of New York City, Hudson Valley and Suffolk County. And we have, as an organisation, been acknowledged as well for 
our excellence in healthcare and what we do to provide for the underserved. We have enjoyed um, a wonderful uh, time with health in that we have been given the opportunity to take care of over a quarter of a million patients and we have an organisation that has over 2,000 employees. So we're very, very um, happy to be out here in Suffolk County with 11 sites uh, throughout the county where we take care of not just the healthcare needs, we have other initiatives in place. For example, we have a mobile van that we take around to areas that haven't had services where we take care of agricultural workers during the, the peak seasons who don't get to go to see doctors. We help with the homeless, we help with public housing, and we have an initiative going ahead to take care of patients who are HIV positive, have substance abuse disorders, and most importantly, we take care of the whole patient, not just the one healthcare aspect. Uh, Joy Pack, uh, congratulations to you and everyone at Sun River Health Foundation. We have to get you on for part two one of these days. Uh, just tremendous work that you've done. I had no idea that that uh, it was that far-reaching and uh, and and that uh, that many outlets here in Suffolk and certainly uh, everywhere. You know, mentioned Hudson Valley. You mentioned uh, New York City. We could do uh, and we could we could do an hour on the work that you guys have been doing. Before you go, can you give us a, a quick website, social media site, and, and any last uh, thoughts on how to contact uh, you and, and the folks at Sun River Health Foundation? Well, Sun River Health Foundation um, is the piece of our organization that um, helps us to ensure that we have the resources to move forward and continue the care that um, the people deserve. And um, in order to do so, uh, you can contact the Healthcare Foundation or um, as a very, very local direct line, I'm very, very happy to speak to anybody on my direct um, Sun River cell phone of 845-745-0641. Happy to talk to anybody who would have an interest in in, um, learning about our organization or helping with uh, our mission. Uh, congratulations once again. What a tremendous job you guys have done. I imagine you're very proud of what you've done and, and everyone there should be. Uh, thank you very much for being here and, and hopefully we'll speak to you again real soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Joy Pack has been our very special guest and uh, she is getting awards, accolades, articles written about her and and, uh, and Sun River uh, Health Foundation uh, all over, everywhere you look, uh, everywhere you Google, you can see, uh, see the work that they're doing. Uh, just tremendous, thrilled to have her here. Congrats to, uh, to her and a whole, uh, the whole staff over there, just w what work they've been doing. Sun River Health Foundation has been the subject and Joy Pack has been our very special guest and that's P-A-K. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone 
to breaking it down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Michael Mando is here with us, and uh, so many people know him from Nacho uh, Varga in uh, Better Call Saul, and season six is upon us. But I, I tell you what, he's been one of my favorite actors for a while. Uh, Often Black uh, as Vic uh, is just a, it's can't miss because of him. It's uh, you got to look back on it and, and just uh, and binge it. I saw him in a short, and, and I swear I don't think it's 15 minutes long. Somebody sent it to me, and I, I just absolutely loved it. He's one of the act, you know, he's the actor, the main actor in it. It's called Wake Up, and it's disturbing to watch, but it's oh my god, I, what what a performance he puts on! It's just well done. It's a short. If you get a chance to watch it, you see Michael Mando uh, just at his best. He's absolutely terrific in everything he does. Better Call Saul is upon us, season six. Michael Mando, how are you? Oh, thank you so much for that uh, beautiful introduction. It means a lot. I'm so happy to be here and so happy to be speaking to you, my friend. Yeah, you, uh, again, you got to be excited about uh, Better Call Saul. I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those series that people are going to be talking about forever, along with uh, Breaking Bad and uh, and The Sopranos. This is one of these. I mean, it's you know, ten years, twenty years. I imagine people are going to be binging Better Call Saul. You got to be very proud of what you've done with this. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we really put our hearts in it. And, you know, to play a character like Nacho, who's breaking good when the whole show is breaking bad, a guy who starts off as a criminal and ends up being sort of heroic and, and wanting to do the right thing and save his father's life has just been a dream role for me. And I thank all the fans for, for all their love and support. It, it means so much to me. And this is our best season. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I can't wait to see it. And uh, yeah, Nacho, what what a character! My God, I did you know right away when you when you first read when you first uh, saw this that it was going to be such a he's a complicated character. He's he's a great character, but a very complicated character. Uh, did you know right away that this was going to be something special? I had I, I knew it was going to be special. The show was going to be special. I didn't know that my character in particular was going to be so loved by the fans from around the world and that people were going to be cheering for him so much and that his, his quest was going to mean so much to so many people. That came as a surprise to me as the season started developing, you know, to realize how much people love his character. And uh, what a ride, you know. It's been such a beautiful ride, and I, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, you know, we obviously we don't want you to spoil, but uh, is there something that you can kind of tease to us that that we could be looking out for in in your character? You gotta everything's mums the word. Well, you know, the writers called me up in this winter and they said, "Listen, we've got a tour de force thing waiting for you. It's going to be excruciatingly physical, emotional, psychological, with undertones of spirituality, and um, you know, it's a tall order. And are you up for it?" And I knew immediately that this character was going to turn into a dream role for me. So I can tell you that it's going to, it's going to be a, a roller coaster ride. I mean, uh, that's as much as I can say, uh, ho hoping it hypes people up. And, uh, you know, we've done our best and, and uh, can't wait for people to see it. It's a truly special uh, season. Yeah, and and again, I I don't I don't think you have to worry about people being excited about it. people are, are pumped uh, to see it, and anything with uh, with Nacho Varga in it uh, is is just it, it. You can't take your eyes off the screen when you're on there, and I, I can't imagine anybody else playing the role ever other than you. Uh, you know, and if I'm remembering this correctly, and if I'm not, forgive me, but I, you, you studied psychology in in college, did you not? 
Yes, I never finished. You know, I, I kind of bounced around a lot. I studied business. I studied psychology. I studied international relations. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and then I ended up uh, discovering my love for acting accidentally. And I was, you know, kind of almost in my mid-20s when I first discovered it. Yeah, I was going to say, if, uh, you know, the the idea that you had any interest in psychology, you must love this show. I mean, this show is just, it, it's such a smart show. It's such a deep show and uh, and and complicated. I mean, you go into, and by the way, Breaking Bad was, was dynamite. I mean, you could say the same thing about it, but this is just so far... Uh, different than that, in in so many ways, and uh, you know, you know, big reason, of course, is Bob and uh, and and what they do on the on the law end and everything else. But uh, what a, gee, my God, what a uh, what a show this uh, this has been, and you know, people are are excited about uh, about season six. By the way, it, and and you got to pardon my ignorance on this. Is this it? Is season six? Is this Fini? Uh, this is this is over for uh, for Better Call Saul. Or we don't know yet. Well, first of all, thank you so much for those really kind words. And this is it. This is our final season. Yes, this is our big finale. All the Breaking Bad fans and all the Better Call Saul fans can sit on the same couch and watch the same screen. This is where all the worlds collide. Hey, for all the people following Nacho's story, we're really going to get a sense of who this guy is what he's willing to do to stand up for his father and do the right thing and um what really is in his heart and you know and how how serious he is about it so it's going to be a huge huge season for all these characters and uh, we can't wait for people to see it and you do not want to miss this this episode coming up on monday it's just a it's a it's a big one yeah, listen, just uh, just absolutely dynamite. I, well, other than your, let's take your character out for a second. Is there a character in Better Call Saul that stands out to you? Is there somebody that that you can't wait to see what he or she is going to do next? Is there one that uh, in particular that stands out? Um, I like Mike Ehrmantraut, the character of Jonathan Banks, the character that I that I respond to a lot. I think both him and Nacho are cut from the same cloth in a way. I think they both have virtue and integrity, and they're both they both have a code, you know, that the others don't. They they value human life, they value innocent life, and they they're not about greed and and power. You know, they're about there are something else going on there. Well, listen, we're all going to be tuning in Monday and, and, and constantly be tuning in. Uh, before I let you go, and I know a lot of people are waiting to talk to you, uh, it, can you can you tell us anything else that's going on uh, in, in your life? You do so much musically and, and everything else. Uh, anything else we should be looking out for? And before you go, make sure you leave us with uh, any kind of social media sites or websites. But uh, what, what else do we have to look forward to this year? Yeah, I mean you can you could check out on my Instagram. It's just my name, Michael Mando, and I I, um, I try to get a, give as much back of the fans as a little insight of what's going on and the behind the scenes and stuff. For me, you know, my team and I are really interested in obviously kind of big picture stuff like Marvel universes and stuff that we're already a part of. But at the same time, I'm interested in meeting with creative directors and producers and writers and developing genre films like westerns or psychological thrillers or sci-fi and uh, really being part of that collaborative process. So our business door is open for all upcoming writers or, or established writers and directors and, and we're eager to we're eager to enter that discussion. 
Now, listen, congratulations on your whole career. It's absolutely absolutely terrific. Uh, of course, better call Saul, but everything else. Michael, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for taking the time, and thank you for the sweet words. Michael Mando, everyone. Wow, what an actor. And the... He mentioned the Marvel Universe, and, um, you know, there's so much that, that floats... Uh, around uh, him and uh, and and you know, every major role that uh, that is out there, you hear Michael Mando's name, I, and I'll tell you what he is he's one of the great actors out there. I think the sky's the limit for him. And if you can check out uh, Wake Up, it, it's a short, and maybe it's eleven minutes long, twelve minutes long, and he's he's just terrific. And it. it's a guy having a nervous breakdown, um, you know. A, dealing with uh with you know just his wife's tragedy that happened uh earlier and uh, you just you just watch a guy cracking up and uh you know just breaking down it's uh, just so disturbing but uh, great i mean if you could <laughs> if you can be disturbed for 11 minutes or 12 minutes or whatever it is check out wake up with michael mando um, you know I love him in uh, in Better Call Saul. He is he is terrific. He's right. Mike uh, Mike Armentrout is a great character. That's Jonathan Banks' um, character on Breaking Bad and um, and Better Call Saul. So uh, this is it. It's uh, it's coming to a head, and you know all the Breaking Bad fans will uh, will be seeing where they all come together. This is the prequel, of course, for. For Breaking Bad and and uh, yeah, just I, I I was wondering how they were going to handle it and how they were going to do it and and they've been great so far. It's uh, it's it's terrific. It's a deep show, and you know, look if uh, you want to see uh, Michael Mando in, in in something a little different uh, than what you see him as Nacho, uh, check out Vic and check out his role as Vic in in uh, Orphan Black. Um, also, Rookie Blue is another. I think he was nominated for all kinds of awards for that. I, you know, I think this guy, I think Michael Mando, is one of the great actors of uh, of of this uh, next breed, this next wave of actors that are getting popular. He's he's one of the greats. He's absolutely terrific, and really, where he's getting, uh, he was noticed a lot on uh, on Often Black, but Better Call Saul has been a, uh, a, a just a uh, a grand opening almost for uh, for him and everything that's coming after is uh, is well deserved. He's he's earned his stripes. And the guy speaks four different languages and, um, and he's been lived all over the world. Lived in Africa. Lived in all kinds of places. Uh, Michael Mando has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. Uh, Nacho Vogger on Better Call Saul. Check it out. Season six is upon us. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on breaking it down this is breaking it down with your host frank mckay on 1071 wlirfm hampton bays